my name is Lucy and I'm going to be doing the Bible reading today. It's Psalm 103 and in the church Bibles up the back it's on page 528. My soul bless the Lord and all that is within me bless his holy name. My soul bless the Lord and do not forget all his benefits. He forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He sacrifices you with good things, and your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord executes acts of righteousness and justice for all who for all the oppressed he revealed his ways to Moses his deeds to the people of Israel the Lord is compassionate and generous slow to anger and abundant in faithful love he will not always accuse us or be angry forever he has not dealt with us as our sins deserve, or repaid us according to our inquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love. Toward those who fear him, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. For as for man, his days are like grass. He blooms like a flower in the field. When the wind passes over it, it vanishes, and its place is no longer known. But from eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love is towards those who fear him, and his righteousness toward the grandchildren of those who help keep his covenant who remember to observe the precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, all his angels of great strength, who do his word, obedient to his command. Bless the Lord, all his armies, his servants, who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all the places where he rules. My soul, bless the Lord. Good evening, friends. Evening, afternoon. I've forgotten the time. Pardon the pun. Our friends, please keep your Bibles open. We'll be looking at Psalm 103 quite closely and considering it how it applies to us today. But before we do that, how about I pray? Heavenly Father and gracious God, we thank you for the words of truth that we have read this afternoon. And we pray that you would implant them in our hearts so that we would remember your goodness and live lives that glorify you. Amen. To get us started this afternoon, I'm, I'm going to sit, no, I'm not going to sing, I'm going to read out a couple of lyrics, and I want you to call out who you think uh, sung this song. Okay? You ready? They'll come up on the screen. Thanks, Rochelle. First one. Uh, hello, it's me. I was wondering... If after all these years you'd like to meet, feel free to call out, to go over everything. Adele, that's right. 
Adele, hello. Next slide. Uh, okay, this is a trickier one. I'm not a stranger to the dark. Hide away, they say. Sorry, what? Yes. Hugh Jackman, greatest showman, because we don't want your broken parts. Okay, next one. This is going to be a harder one. I'm going to I'm going to make a change for once in my life. Sorry. Song. Yes. Man in the mirror. Well done, Keenan. Not showing your age at all. Uh, and last one is for the kids. If you stub your toe when you get out of bed. All right. Let me just finish this slide because I'll, I'll get to my point. And you slip in the shower and you knock your head. If you miss your brekkie and your bike tires flat, if your dog eats your lunch and you step on the cat, remember the Lord. Oh. Well done. Points for you. It's really interesting. The, um, <clears throat> in that first song, Hello, um, by Adele, she was once asked who the song was written about. Interestingly, she said it was to her younger self really shapes the way that you listen to that song. She said after six years of success and money and fame, she was worried that she would forget who she was and that other people would forget about it too. You see, forgetfulness is a terrible thing. And I'm speaking more about just losing your car keys or forgetting to turn the oven off. And don't worry, you did remember to turn the oven off. <laughs> But it's a simple truth that the circumstances in life cause us to forget who we are. And more importantly, to forget who God is and how he feels about us. It could be moving to a new town or starting a new job. And you're wondering if God is really a provider. It might be the suffering in your life or the evil that you see in the world and you're starting to question if God is still in control. It could be learning to treasure singleness or not living up to others' expectations and you're starting to question if God is really good. It could be how other Christians have treated you or even the guilt of ongoing sin in your life and you're wondering if God really loves you. You see, the simple truth is, the circumstances in life, both challenges and blessings, can cause us to forget who God is and what he thinks about us. Uh, for me, it was at the end of my first year in Bible college. Uh, in that year, I had started to learn two new languages and relearn English. <laughs> we were moving to a new church And a number of family members had passed away. I mean, what do you do with that? I spent a year filling my head with beautiful truths about God, but my heart was dislocated from all of it. I was wondering if there was any meaning in all this suffering. You see, the circumstances in life can cause us to forget who God is and what he thinks about us. And the Bible, in fact, warns us against about this reality. In Deuteronomy 8, God says, Do not forget how you provoked the Lord 
uh, sorry, provoked your God and his judgment. Isaiah 51, God says, You are afraid of mortal man who are but grass, and you forget the Lord your maker. And even in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter gives this long list of what it means to live a life that honours God, speaking about endurance and holiness and loving others. And then he says, the person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted because they have forgotten the cleansing of past sin. God says time and time again, if you are stubborn, if you are fearful of other people, if you are lacking self-control, the solution is not behaviour modification. It's not work harder and do better. God says we need to remember. And in fact, as our kid spot has already brilliantly said, or rather Will Downey, uh, we need to remember. Have a look at verse 1 with me. My soul bless the Lord. And all that is in with me, bless his holy name. My soul, bless the Lord and do not forget all his benefits. Did you notice who this psalm is written to? Verse 1, David says, My soul, bless or praise the Lord. This is a command that David is giving to himself. He's preaching to himself, to his innermost being. Why? Verse 2, so he doesn't forget all the benefits of God. He wants to remember God so that he may praise God in all of life's circumstances and so that those circumstances don't shape who he thinks God is and what God thinks of him. He is to remember. The dictionary defines remember as being aware of something. It's, it's very odd, it's kind of passive. But in the Bible, to remember has a deeper meaning. To remember is to have it at the forefront of your mind, so it shapes everything you think, feel and do. Remember in the Bible is never passive, it's active and it always leads to action. And so how do we praise God amidst all circumstances? Well, today's big idea is we must remember. We must remember of who God is and how he loves us. And to do that, we'll think about three things, remembering God's character remembering God's forgiveness and remembering the cross. So let's start with our first point, remembering God's character. If you were to ask your friends tomorrow morning at work or as you drop the kids off to, to school, what do you think God is like? I wonder what they would say. They would most likely think about how God has worked or rather how he hasn't worked in their life. We often look to his acts to consider who God is, but the problem with that is it's speculation. It's standing in the dark, clutching at straws, but what God offers us in His Word is something better. It's not speculation, it's revelation. Have a look at verse 6. The Lord executes acts of righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He revealed His ways to Moses, His deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. David cast his mind back to the Exodus, where God's righteous acts were seen in God sending plagues on Pharaoh. And God's justice was seen as he rescued his oppressed people from slavery. And then God gives Moses the most complete revelation in the Old Testament. He took Moses into the side of the mountain 
and he literally walked past Moses. Moses only got to see the back of God. But Moses saw the glory of God. And do you know what God said when he walked past Moses? He said this in Exodus 34. The Lord, the Lord is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth. Slow to anger here in the original is an idiom. It's a Hebrew saying. It literally means to be long-nosed. But don't think about Pinocchio. Think long-fuse. So consider a bull in a ring, staring at a red flag, nostrils flares, stomping its foot, ready to charge. That's short-nosed. The bull has a short fuse. It's easily angered, it's quick to attack, but God is different. Yes, he's angry at sin, but he is slow to anger. He is not temperamental, he won't get into a fit of rage. He is compassionate, he is patient. He gives people time to repent rather than punish them. And his love is faithful. That term faithful love there in the original is chesed, it's covenantal love. And this is important because in our modern world, in TV shows like Love Island and The Bachelor, please don't watch them, uh, the world teaches us that love is centred on the individual. Love is a feeling, it's sensual, it only lasts for a moment. And while love is fleeting, a relationship only needs to last as long as love, as a feeling of love lasts. But God's love is greater than that. It's committed, it's other person-centred, it's steadfast and true. God's covenantal love rely, rests on His promises. And God never breaks a promise. God never breaks his love. God's love is eternal. You see, God doesn't just act in steadfast, loving ways. It is his disposition to his people. It is his innermost being. And David uh, remembers this. Uh, oh, sorry. Um, so if you come back to the psalm, can you see what David is doing here? David sings this song because it's the best way to remember who God is. To remember that God is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger and abound in faithful love. So that his circumstances doesn't change how he views God. As you've come to church today, what's your picture of God? Are you letting your circumstances shape who you think God is or are you allowing God through his word to reveal God to you? In our modern world, uh, what we do when we think someone has failed us is we list our fault, their faults, don't we? We blame them. And sometimes we even take on the role of a victim so they feel guilty for what they've done. But that is the world's way of thinking and that is not the way that God works. God doesn't get pleasure in listing our faults. For all the times we've failed him, God does not keep record. God is a holy God, abounding in steadfast love. He has compassion. He has compassion towards his people. And the chief way that he expresses his character is through his forgiveness. 
Which is our second point, remembering the forgiveness of God. Uh, On Thursdays, I teach Year 6 Scripture at Clare Public. It is a great time. You should come join me and check it out. Last year, I asked the question, what is the greatest problem that humans face? I wonder what you would say. Some of the Year 6 kids said racism. Others said climate change. Uh, Some even said not enough screen time at home. Friends, the greatest problems that human face is sin. And sin is when we turn our back on God and live with ourselves as king. Sin is when we disobey his word. It's not just a few bad apples that sin. The Bible teaches us that everyone is guilty of sin. And it's not mere moments of sin in our life. Sin permeates us. So that every decision, every attitude, every action is shaped by sin. Sin is why there is so much evil in the world. Sin is why we cannot stand in the presence of God and we face his judgment. And for Christians, the guilt that comes from sin is why sometimes we keep God at a distance. But have a look at what God does with our sin. Have a look at verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. David uses two beautiful images to draw us into this psalm so we may find our place in it. The first image is east and west. I mean, how far is the east from the west? Now, the engineers among us would say, well, it's half the circumference of the earth, right? It's 20,000 kilometres. But engineers, this is poetry. You see, you can't see the east from the west. You cannot measure the east on the west. It continues. And that's David's point. When God forgives our sin, it is removed from us. It is removed so far from us that at an immeasurable distance, we cannot see it. God no longer sees it and God no longer remembers it. Which means a holy God can have an immense closeness to us. Which is the second image, an intimate relationship like a father has with their child. Now, If you had an upbringing like mine, you might find these words hard to believe. But our perfect heavenly father is not like our sinful earthly fathers. The character of God is compassion, steadfast love. It's seen in his forgiveness, his removal of sin and his adoption as we become our children. And so those who have been forgiven of their sin belong to him. God knows the number of hairs on your head. God knows the great things that you do to honour and glorify and bless Him. He even knows your innermost thoughts, the ones that forsake Him, the ones that do not bring Him glory. But God is patient, He is kind, and as a father, perfect father, loves His children, He never forgets us, He never leaves us, And he never forsakes us. How can God do such a thing? 
How can God remove sin from us so far? How can God forget all the things that we have done? How can God hold us so closely as his children? Because God has provided a way for us to come back to him. You see, what David sung about in part, we have in full. What Israel sung about in expectation, today we sing about in completion. You see, in a profound way, unknown to David, when writing this psalm, he was pointing forward to God's Son and the cross. You see, the God of glory that revealed himself to Moses on the mountain, put on flesh and walked this earth in the man Jesus Christ. God, who has compassion and is slow to anger and abounding in love, demonstrates that character in His Son, Jesus. And God, who removes our sin as far from the east is from the west, has done that through His Son, Jesus. We read this in 2 Corinthians 5. He, that is God, made the one who became no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. To be made sin here is the language of substitution. Jesus, the perfect Son of God, lived without sin, which means his death pays for our sin. When you trust in Jesus' death and ask God to forgive him of your sin, God freely forgives you of your sin. The punishment has been taken. And the judgment of God no longer rests on us. And it's more than that. You see, as Jesus suffers on the cross, he's bearing the consequences of our sin. So our unrighteousness is placed on Jesus and his righteousness is placed on us. So that God, when God looks at you who is freely forgiven, he doesn't see a sinner, but a sinner saved by grace and someone who is forgiven. Brothers and sisters in Christ, earlier I asked you, what's your picture of God? What's your opinion of God? Can I ask you this afternoon, what's God's opinion of you? What does God think about you? You see, the Pharisee in us, and the Pharisee mindset, we always want to think about rules and regulations, don't we? Aren't we, are we doing enough things? Are we keeping enough um, regulations? Are we reading our Bibles enough? Are we going to church enough? We demand that we put in ourselves as moralists is to lift our own game. But God has brought us righteousness in his son Jesus. So friends, if you have faith in Jesus and have repented of your sin, God looks at you as his child. And he is your perfect heavenly father. God has forgiven you of your sin. And he looks at you and sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Not a righteousness that you have earned or deserved, but has been freely given to you by God through his son. It's a righteousness that is imputed to us today and will be given to us in full in the new creation. Which means... As we remember the character of God, and as we remember the forgiveness of God, ultimately, you and I, as we read this psalm in 2024, we remember the cross 
so we do not forget God and his benefits, which is our last point. Come back with me to the psalm. Have a look at verse 15. As for man, his days are like grass, his blooms like the flower of the field, and when it passes over, it vanishes, and its place is no longer known. But from eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love is towards those who fear him, and his righteousness towards the grandchildren of those who keep his covenant, who remember to observe his precepts. Grass and flowers is a picture of mortality. You see, we are weak. We are mortal. We are fallen. Our life on this earth is very, very short and soon forgotten. Think about that person that moved out of your street five years ago. Do you remember them? No. (laughs) And so it is like with all of us. Our life is short and we are soon forgotten, but God's love lasts for eternity. And isn't it an interesting way that David describes it? He doesn't just say God's love lasts for eternity. He says it's from eternity to eternity. That is, God's steadfast love from eternity past and lasts for eternity to the future can never change. It can never fail and it can never be taken away. God's everlasting love shines with glory. And though our lives are brief and unpredictable, God's steadfast love lasts forever. His righteousness is unchanging. And all of us who fear him, that is, who know him and worship him and live a life under his rule, he gives us an assurance that lasts forever. An assurance that we have at the cross. We pick this up in Romans 8. Thanks, Rochelle. Uh, Romans 8 says, Knowing all these things, that we are more conquerors through him who have loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any, nor any other created thing <gasps> will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. By saying loved us, Romans doesn't, reflect, doesn't restrict God's love to the past. He doesn't hold it at the cross, but he emphasises that the love that God showed us on the cross gives us an assurance of his love and salvation under all circumstances. As Satan tempts us, as the trials of life and its suffering hits us, as sin and guilt and even death itself, through the cross of Christ, we can never be separated from God's love and salvation. And therefore, we are to look to the cross and remember the cross. For in the cross, we see God's character, his forgiveness, and the assurance of our salvation. Friends, it's a simple truth that the circumstances in life cause us to forget who we are. And more importantly, to forget who God is and how he feels about us. Today, we have been reminded to not let our circumstances shape how we view God or how we think he views us. Because if we've moved to a new town and we start a new job, God really does provide for us. Even when we face suffering in our life and see the evil in this world, God is still in control. When we're learning to treasure singleness, when we're not living up to the expectations of others, 
God still is really good. And whether Christians have treated you poorly or you face the guilt of ongoing sin, ongoing sin in your life, God really does love you. We've seen his character of love and compassion and steadfastness. We've seen his forgiveness in that he removes our sin from us. And we've seen the assurance of the cross that can never be taken away from us. And so, friends, let this picture of God this afternoon fill your hearts and your minds with praise. Let it be at the forefront of your mind as you remember how good God is and how much he loves you. Let it shape your thoughts, your feelings, and even the way that you live your life so that together we may sing, My soul bless the Lord, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father and gracious God, we thank you for your compassion and your steadfast love. We thank you for your forgiveness. And most importantly, we thank you for Jesus and his death on the cross. We pray that you we pray that you would shape our view of you and how we feel about you based on the truth of your word, Lord that it would give us assurance and blessings so we may continue to praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen.